themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. C. Grant, what's good? 67? Yes, sir. 68. 67 67. of Views views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to take this moment to say thank you to all of our listeners, supporters, subscribers. If you would like to contact us, you can do so by leaving a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms that we are hosted. You can also message us directly by emailing viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. You can tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Facebook and Instagram. Episode 67 begins. Yes, um, sir, we're here. Before we get started, just going to take a moment to say RIP to Fred the Godson. All right, with that being said, let's go move forward. Um, as always, we hope that each and every one of you are out there staying safe, adhering to the protocol in your local town, using your common sense, moving about with the instincts to survive and endure and to come back stronger. Um, we're here for basketball, but of course, life takes precedence over basketball any and every time, family first. Um, Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the last time we were together, we were saying RIP to Carl Anthony Towns' mom yeah. due, to her, yep. due to her not being able to endure the effects of COVID. And today, like I said, we lose Fred the Godson, somebody who he had a connection to basketball and the fact that a lot of NBA players have respect for his bars and his music. Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel it's appropriate. He's a New Yorker. And mm-hmm. from the, he's from the town, he's from the Bronx. And I met him personally. He was a good dude. So nothing but condolences to his family and his fans and anybody who was touched by his music. And if you didn't get an opportunity, then, you know, go ahead and take the time out to hit your Google searches, mm-hmm. type in Fred the Godson music, get acquainted. Dude was talented. You know what I'm saying? He was underappreciated in an industry where sometimes... The imagery is more important than the substance. But um, mm-hmm. back to what we're here for. Um, it seems as if the country is trying to transition towards, you know, the eventual the eventual reopening. And as always, sports seems to always be able to become a forefront marker of how society is progressing. Um. Have you heard anything on the Western Front as far as the the NBA and their attempts to reestablish or resume? No, honestly, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I know the NFL draft, as we record this podcast, is going on virtually. You know, mm-hmm. so without you know, so that that's going to be something. But that's just the draft. 
You know, it's not actual people playing. Uh, so, but I didn't hear, I haven't heard anything new, which is, which is the um, craziest thing. I think the biggest talks now in the NBA are a collection of just, you know, the Michael Jordan documentary, the Chicago Bulls documentary that's coming out. I mean, that's been a big talk. And the fact that Draymond Green has been making his ways on the po- different po- podcast platforms. Yeah, kinda. he's been going on a nice little virtual tour, Mr. Yeah. Draymond. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to all the uh, all the smoke podcast that he did um, that aired today. I didn't get a chance to listen to the entire thing to him breaking down about his Kevin. The Kevin giving us more backstory to the Kevin Durant situation, which you know, in a nutshell, I was kind of past it. You know what I mean? I think that, but again, you know, he wants to voice his opinion to get his his views on on it more power to him. And get you know, but I just think certain things. I don't know if they're just let it be, you know what I mean. I don't know. I'm kind of. I'm, I gotta listen to the whole thing, and see how he kind of breaks it down. But just hearing that he's mentioning it, it's kind of like, I don't know if I really want to hear that, right now. You know what I'm saying? But each his own, like I said. And obviously, he was in that locker room, and he was affected a certain way. And you know, the maybe people asked him the question, and he. Figured he had time. I mean, heck, well, a lot of us have time now with this whole COVID situation. Everybody's lives are a little different than it normally is. No, um, but besides that, you know, the Draymond situation. Then you got, I said, the Jordan stuff, and then we last time we talked, we said we were going to talk about the high school kids that are basically giving the middle finger to college, and <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sheesh. I mean, if that's I think that's if the shoe if the shoe fits, yo, they gotta wear it. If the if the sneaker fits, bro, because yo, because they um, you talk about the G League has actually been taking the um Isaiah Todd, who was like a 13th rate prospect out of 2020. Oh shit, somebody at my front door now. Nah, 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 it's crazy. Probably delivery or something. But yeah, so or you got the um besides the the, the um the person uh, Jay what's his name? Jalen Christopher was yeah. was the other dude. Um yeah, Jalen Christopher was the other dude that decided to um go pro. And he's the number one ranked. Disarmed. Ready to arm. He's the number one ranked player in the country. So for them to bypass college, it's showing people players that hey man, it's college is college is not for everybody. You know, college is no longer a primary vehicle to showcase your talent as a basketball player. I mean, it's just no other way around it. And just to put it out there and <laughs> let it be said for people to to just flat out understand, like that's where we are. Yeah, yeah, and think and that it, is where we are. The reality too, though, is I mean, for some people that can make the jump and be successful, cool. But a lot of these top tier players, their goal was never to make it to college. Their goal was always been to make the NBA. But wanting to bypass that and 
listen, change their lives financially and get that much closer to the NBA because from what they're talking about with this G League, uh, skipping college and going to the G League, it's really be a lot of training, some like light exhibition games, and just really kind of help promote the G League also. But depending on the incentives that you get, you can get upwards to half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, I don't. You, I was always told you go to college, you get a good job. But I'm looking like this mm-hmm. in this situation. Okay, you buy, I bypass college, get the bag, and then that way I can always go back to college because in the kid Jalen Christopher's, um, Jalen Green. I'm sorry, not Jalen Christopher. Jalen, Jalen Green. Um, there was talks that he, um, the G League was also going to pay for him to go to college at a later date. So that's a win-win. So you mm-hmm. telling you gonna give me? Ha- I could get half a million dollars, and you pay for school, and I could go to the league and make millions. Sign me up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then the other dude, they said he was, you know, I think his deal was something similar, or he'd get about half of that. But a lot of the incentives and bonuses was along those lines of you could we could pay for school or we could pay for you know you to go classes part time or something. And I'm like, yo, you really set me up with life skills. Because these kids that, because most people think about college, right? You get on a scholarship. A lot of these scholarships are for four years, but a lot of people that go to college don't finish in four years. So if Mm -hmm. I'm a student athlete and I got a four year ride, but it takes me five years to get out, that fifth year, I got to pay for it. Somebody, or I got to take a loan out because the school's no longer covering because I'm no longer a student athlete because the obligation was for four years. So I can't, I'm just not, there's not a lot of players or not, I'm going to say a lot, but the normal, heck, I went to college. I didn't finish in four years. It took me four and a half. You know what I mean? So if I was on a scholarship that half a, half a year, I would have had to pay for it. You know what I mean? Cause that was just the, that's the way the, the college and the scholarship was set up, you know? So all that money that you bring in, you're not able to get it as a player. You can't have a job. You know what I mean? You get a stipend, but that ain't it. That ain't five hundred thousand dollars, and you know what I'm saying. It's not like yo, I go to college, I go to Duke or whatever big time school, and they paying me, you know, ten racks a month. You know what I mean? I'm I'm good because a lot of people come from these broken down homes or homes that need they need some type of financial stability, and these a lot of these players that's that's in the back of their mind. You know what I mean? Like I can get mama out of the projects. I can get my little brother. He can get a better life than I had. You know. I can get more. Is that really? Is that really where most of our NBA talent is still coming from? We're still dealing with minorities in in the poverty sector. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying it like I know. I'm, I'm not trying to be an authoritative or, or anything like that. I'm just genuinely asking because I, I, I think I think there is. I think there is necessarily. Even if you're not in poverty, a middle-class family, if some of these big-time schools, if they had to pay out of pocket, would be tough to do. So with some of these kids, there are a lot of kids that unfortunately come from, you hear them come from single-parent homes, or they come from areas that are tough and not the safest in place, especially 
where they feel like they can get their parents out. And sometimes that's what, what helps motivate a lot of these players get to that next level is because, yo, I don't want to forget where I came from, but I got to drive so hard that I know not to go back. Like, create that environment, create that mindset of, yo, because, I mean, because you hear too many stories. I mean, I think, let me say this. Is it as the common factor as it was maybe in the 80s and, and 90s? Maybe not as much, but I still believe that a lot of these players have similar situations. Because you hear, you hear guys talk about it, how they had a, a certain struggle or I had to get my mom out to a certain area or wanted to get my grandma by house. Yeah. So that still is a drive, you know what I mean? And again, even if you come from a middle-class family, you still want to provide for your folks because there was times when your parents told you no. You know, things that you wanted or felt like you needed at the time. So, yeah, like I said, man, I'm I'm all for this, man. I'm, I'm all for like I said, I, if you if your game, if you have to go to school and you have to play do four years, yeah, maximize that education while while it's free. You know what I'm saying? I'm always I'm a big proponent. If you can go to school for free, go to school for free. But if they're gonna pay you not to go to school, and then in this situation, possibly pay for you to even go to college at a later date. That's a win-win. Because even if the dudes don't pan out, right, and you get a you get half a million dollars, right? Say for instance, cats go to go to mm-hmm. a situation, and the they make a half a million dollars. You still light years ahead of a whole lot of people that went to college that don't go pro. You know what I mean? Because a lot of kids that go to college and don't go pro, now they got to go into the real world without being that top star athlete. Now, what do I do? How do I set myself up? But imagine you not panning out and you still got a half a million dollars. Now, granted, you might, you're going to spend a good amount, but if you still had a hundred thousand dollars of that money by the time you, after a four year period or after this one year, this ain't pan out for you. You're still ahead of the curve. You know what I mean? Cause now you just go back to school Now you got to, now you go to school or pay for a thing through the NBA and now you have um, 100 racks. So, I don't know, like I said, I, I see it. If you're able to do it, do it. If you can't do it, then obviously you got to go to college. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I don't, I don't want to see, you know, 50 kids that's not even projected in the top 100 trying, trying, trying to do this. You know what I mean? Like, but again, you know, like I said, if you can do it, do it. If you can't, then go to school even if it's the one year, and, and dominate. Try to dominate as much as you can and get to the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a proponent of maximizing your potential at every opportunity you get. So I also feel like you have to balance that with long-term. And the reality of pro-athleticism is that there is no long-term. Mm-hmm. That's just the the fact. Like, there's very few people who will spend more time as a pro athlete than they will alive, you know? And those guys are guys like, you know, Kobe Bryant almost mirrored his life with the amount of time that he spent as an actual pro athlete. Because remember, he became a pro at, what, 17 Uh and retired, and he played 20 years. So he only got two more years outside of being a full-time pro athlete 
in life than he did. The average pro athlete, what is it? In in most sports, per average, one to three years. Yeah. Like you, you have a very brief window to maximize a very high salary chain. Salary. Mm-hmm. You so these kids getting these opportunities to do things which honestly are unprecedented unprecedented in sports i'm all for it definitely allow a kid to you know still pursue an an education because here's the beauty of college and what we've come to understand in, in in especially this climate you don't have to be at school to go to school exactly they can't sell you on that no more so you have kids, especially basketball players, due to the AAU circuit, home is uh, most of the, the good, the really good kids, like Ben Simmons is from, he, he's from the Pacific. But he had to go to school in America to get the looks that he needed to ensure that he would be able to secure himself an opportunity to go to a big time college program where then he could show time, showcase his big time skills and get himself drafted. Uh-huh. Joel Embiid, Basketball Without Borders. Um, Pascal Siakam, Basketball Without Borders. He did wind up going to college. Joel went to college. Obviously, all of these kids who predate, you know, one and done being reestablished, they all had to go to school. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, they all felt that and... school was the best option. They didn't have to because, like, Brandon Jennings, you know, somebody took a course like that who's opting not to go to college. So there's, there's a choice. It's a slim choice, but Joel Embiid wasn't on national radar prior to going to Kansas. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah. he had to, he had to go to Kansas. Um, ben Simmons, he had to do one year because of the the NBA mandate that you can't, you have to spend at least one year outside, removed from high school to be in the league. So he he could have, I guess, played in an Aussie league for one year, but he felt like the competition available to him was better exactly. in college. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And this is where the shift has now changed because you tell these kids, you can, there's no kid now chasing a, a hoop dream who, if he has any type of common sense in himself or the people around him, who can be told, oh, well, you're going to be playing against the best players in the country when you come to a university of such and such. Well, that's a big damn lie. Because I just watched the top five kids in the country commit to go to the G League. So you can't tell me that the best available competition for me to play next year is going to be in your arena because they're not there. If I want to play against them and look good and raise my stock, I got to go to the G League. Mm-hmm. So the, the paradigm is shifting. And now what we'll see is, it, here's the reality. NCAA has been eating good off of the minority athlete, athletics in general, for a very long time. It's an institutionalized way for these big corporations, which is what these universities are in a sense, because they have to be run like a business. It's revenue. And now that revenue scales back. Now, basketball is no longer going to be or is going to begin to start shrinking as a primary source of income for these universities to function. We can't, okay, let's give you a good example. Michigan State University. They're top in the country in what two sports? From from, From your knowledge. Correct. 
Big 10, Big 12, whatever conference they're in now because of the way the conferences are reconfigured. I don't know what they call it, but they're originally a Big 10 team. Same thing, University of Michigan. They're big. Now, Michigan has other sports that they're big in, but the revenue gener- that they generate don't matter. Like, I think they have a hockey team, and, you know, hockey is its own thing. But my point is, basketball and football are like the lifeblood of a lot of these pristine universities' income sources. Absolutely. So now you take basketball, which probably used to bring in 50%. Let's just say football and basketball are going 50-50. 50% of your revenue from the excitement that the college basketball program brought in, that's probably going to shrink now. So you have to cut your expected revenue stream in half. Uh-huh. So the same amount of money you used to spend in promoting Michigan State Big Ten basketball, that contract that you got from ESPN, that value, like now, you, now you're seeing what everybody else is seeing in the real world with their money. Uh-huh. Is, it really, is it really worth this? Or is it worth this because this is hot right now? Well, college basketball ain't hot right now. Exactly. And it's going to continue to plateau and, and head in a downward trend until it levels off. And these universities can figure out, okay, now if this kid's listed in 150, we don't recruit him. Now we recruit 150 to 300. Yeah, as long as this G League's plan continue, it, it, it grows and it blossoms. You know what I mean? If all of these, and kids go overseas to play... But that's what I'm saying. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. I say, everything. It, it seems like when 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 capitalism is involved, there's there's either a one, three, five year plan, yeah, yeah. right? So let's project this three years out. The G League, in order to watch it prior to this season, didn't you need a league pass? You know what? I honestly don't know. I. I G League teams that were owned by major league franchises like the Knicks, you could see uh-huh. them on MSG2, MSG1 during a, you know, like during a lull and all the other sports that they cover. SMY, I think they had the, the, the Long Island Nets. Because mm. the Knicks don't even have, I don't even know. I think no, the Knicks have Westchester. I think that, yeah, they have a Westchester team and the Nets have a Long Island G League uh. team. The G League team that I used to see them on SNY, which is the Nets network. So I'm pretty sure most of these NBA franchises have sublet those games so that they are still getting, you know, mid tier cable network exposure. Mm. Well, now the money that they're spending on these kids to pull them away from college that has to be recouped, right? Yeah. So now we're about to see the NCAA lose their pimp cup so that the G League can have it. So what Adam Silver has done is essentially say, you know what? Y'all can't eat on this block. This is our block. But y'all still can have people that can be a part of what we do. They just got to be really, really, really good now. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Paul Millsap led the NCAA in rebounding like two years in a row. Got drafted in the second round. Kimball Walker dragged Connecticut to an NCAA championship. What was he, like the eighth pick in mm-hmm. the draft? Or somewhere in that range? You, you see where yeah, I'm going Yeah, right? Draymond Green was playing a year, the year, that year in college, and he got drafted in the second round. So, Stephen Curry. Davidson, bright star. Can't miss prospect. Got a gun that anybody in the world want to have. Drafted number nine. 
No, he went. He's he went a star. Seven, seven. seven. Okay. He did not go top five. Mm-hmm. Point is, in the pre-established settings that basketball was under, the climate that it was under before, college stars were still fighting and clawing to get into the league at a high regard. There weren't many kids who were, you know, like Anthony Davis. He did what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a star at Kentucky. They won a national championship. John Wall, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. These one-and-done kids that were Can't just miss. like can't miss they a few of them will continue to go to Duke Mm -hmm. a few of them will continue to go to North Carolina a few of them and those are tradition kids kids who have embedded in them and the the, the, um, influences around them steer them to still continue to pursue that or they might just be economically stable yo I I just want to go to a university and have some fun be a kid I love playing basketball, and I like the idea of playing basketball for this university. My parents, you know what I'm saying, they're good. I don't got to go get nobody a house. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I come from a well-to-do family. You know, like a Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell type of kid who, you know, he descends from a pro-athlete father, and his mom had a good job. So there are kids at Grant Hill. You know, there mm-hmm. are kids, legacy kids, heritage kids, um, alma mater kids. They're going to start to get the opportunity to repopulate these universities with story legacies. Because think about how many generations. We just saw a whole 10-year period under Calipari where legacy kids from Kentucky did not get to play there. So think about that class of kids that, you know, Rick Pitino had with Walter McCarty and Antoine Walker and so on and so forth. I'm pretty sure a lot of those players had kids that played basketball. And you know how universities work. Your dad played here. You get a walk-on or whatever the case may be. You get a budget, Mm -hmm. Scully. You know, those kids might start to get, you know what I'm saying, more attention. Like how Gary Payton's kid winds up going to Oregon Mm -hmm. State and so on and so forth. There's a lot of these kids. The cycle is kind of like if you go to college now as a basketball player, you don't have to be openly declaring that you don't want to be a pro, but you're also telling the league they can wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be sitting here doing what you got to do, and if y'all want to holler, somebody will send word because that pipeline still hasn't changed. These kids are still gonna have the opportunity with the provisions that are made by the NCAA to, you know, dip their feet in the draft and get feelers from pro scouts and so on and so forth. But the reality is, is that. The pro scouts are, are, are really just going to be because there's, there's not much work to do. If you get a kid to go to the G League, do you need to scout him anymore? Do you need your main scout watching that guy? Absolutely uh-uh. not. He's already in the draft pool. You know what you've got. You've got, and you're going to get real time feedback. You're hooked up to sports VR. You, man, your access to that kid, that, that year that he spends in the G League, the recruiting does what? itself. The, the the research does yeah because it's a pro, it's actually considered it's called the G League's year long development program. Now, I'm gonna read some of it about it, which gives the you know it's, it's it is trying to figure a way to get kids to now nah, skip college, come here to the G League and promote us. That way, our revenue goes up. But it says players in the this is on ESPN's website. It says players in the G League's year long development program will receive a, a salary up to five hundred thousand including financial incentives for playing in games, competing um, commun- in community events, 
and attending life skill programs coordinated by the G League's oversight program, sources say. It says the program includes professional coaching, top prospects, and veteran players who will combine training and expedition, expedition, um, exhibition uh, competitions against the likes of G League teams, foreign national teams, NBA academies throughout the world, league sources say. This program season could include 10 to 12 games against G League teams that wouldn't count in standing sources say the primary objective uh, will be the growth into into the NBA on several levels from playing to the uh, teaching of life skills. Yo, that to me sounds like we are going to basically be like a, a prep school. We're going to prepare you step-by-step step how to get to the NBA and we're going to use this to, we want this promotion so everybody starts tuning in to us and they'll say, no, I'm tuning off college. You know what I mean? Because if this works the way the NBA and the G League wants, kids are going to be like, well, why the heck won't I stay, stay home? I won't look to go overseas like a lot of other players have done. I'm going to stay in America. I'm going to work with, with NBA players, NBA trainers to get the top level training. So when I go the following year to the NBA, I'm ready. And I'm going to get paid. A nice check. A very nice check. And you got to think about it. They're going to also get that life of what the NBA is like. The traveling, the interviewing, you know, all that stuff. Because I mean, it talks about, you know, just the fact that, yes, college is an amazing experience. We both went to college. Obviously, that's how we met. You know, it's through college. Right. And again, but these kids that are kids out there, done, they're not really focused on the, the 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 college life per se. They're looking at how to propel themselves to get to the league. And I'm going to college as a pit stop, you know, and I'm going to ball out. And in that way, I can declare for the draft right after, as soon as the season is over, pretty much. And one thing I'll say real quick is, too, think about this. Over the years, we've seen less college seniors be number one draft picks or top five draft picks. It's been less because a lot of times the it, and it, which it seems, I, I don't know all the stats, but just to say where it seems where if you're a senior, by the time you get drafted, they feel like they can't develop you. They feel like you've already been developed. That's who you're going to be. So it's almost like you're penalized yeah, I mean, for staying in college. Really, you know what I mean? Where the reality is like, man, I, I was in college sharpening up my game so I could be ready. But the reality is if you go to college, you play all four years, the chance of you being a top five pick is slim to none. You you got to be out there like having had a growth spurt that nobody could account for and all types of explanations that yeah. honestly the NBA probably really not interested in hearing because of the amount of data that they, the amount of data and time that they spend in learning about these kids and like one thing that these guys hate more than anything is a mystery yep. kid. Somebody that they can't put their finger on, can't figure out. Nobody knows why. There's no references. It, it, it's the same thing with 
with any other arena. Like when you go to apply for a job, if you don't have references that they can like contact, there are some employees who just, they flat out can't take the risk. Yeah. They can't, they can't. There's too much on the line. There's too much that can go wrong. There's too much, too much on the left side of the situation for them to have to contend with that it's not worth it. And the same thing goes for the NBA. And it might even hold truer in the NBA because the amount of money that goes into what it, what it costs to, to put an NBA product out there on the court. Uh It's costly. And now the NBA is saying, you know what, we're going to indemnify ourselves. We're going to take it all on. This is us. We got this. Y'all don't worry about it. We're going to handle this. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, every year, like you alluded to, and I always like to give a reference point to when you make a great point, especially by names. I think that's very useful for the people out there that are listening. Eric Paschal is a perfect example of what you spoke to. Four-year senior, went to Villanova, won a national title. Mm-hmm. Yet, yet, what more could he do? He winds up what? following the dream uh-huh. path gets drafted in the second round and we see all year when given the amount of playing time necessary to demonstrate what he's capable of doing he's gonna be a problem yeah he's averaging 14 and 14 and 5 he's gonna be a nice change of pace small ball power forward slash center which is something that is very useful in that golden state system and that's something y'all got to deal with so Again, there's pros and cons. There's, there's no definitive path for anybody into the NBA. We could do a whole episode dedicated to 10 players who the NBA never saw coming. Mm-hmm. And, and could follow up and do another one. We could probably do at least three episodes and list like 30 players total over three episodes that, that point to guys that came out of nowhere or weren't getting the attention they deserved and then got into the league and just started tearing stuff up. Yeah. And again, college gives kids opportunities to do things that, um, that they may not do in a setting like what the G league and the NBA are setting up. Mm. What happens to that kid who has the Scottie Pippen growth spurt? Mm. You know? So, Let's take a kid like Michael Porter Jr. He goes into the, because again, kids grow. So he develops his whole prep career as a point guard, shooting guard. And even as a point guard, shooting guard, he's looking, you know, like a pro prospect. So he goes into the G League and he's 6'3". He he wakes up over that summer to start his G League indoctrination program. He's 6'9". Crazy. But he's already been prospected as something. Mm. Now, we all know what happens to the human body when it grows. It takes you a while to Mm -hmm. adjust. Some people say that when they experience a growth spurt, they didn't understand what had happened to their body, and it took them a year. Oh, yeah. Some kids Mm -hmm. are quicker, you know? Somebody, some people wake up, you know, and they're just as nimble or agile as they were. Anthony Davis, he had a growth Mm. spurt. He woke up one day while he was in high school. Next thing you know, he's 6'10". Yeah. But he'd been, a, he'd been a guard his whole mm-hmm. life. So it worked out into his favor because he has a jump shot for him. He's got handle. And, you know, he's a transcendent big man. But 
you as a pro prospect, that could be dangerous. Absolutely. That could be, a, and, and that, and and what about these kids who don't know how tall they're going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, it might benefit you to go to college because you'll have a coach who he'll wake up and see, oh my God, my starting point guard or my backup point guard, he now he's a power forward now, mm-hmm. and, and and I can give him the tutelage and redirection that he needs in those three years that he has in the bank under a scholarship might give him the structured development that he needs to properly grow into his body. So the path for NBA player, you know, again, please name the number of NBA champions that are teenagers that we know of. The teenagers? Oof. Uh, I'm pretty sure that list, I'm pretty sure that list I'm about is to say, I don't know who Kobe Bryant didn't win one as a teenager. Kevin Garnett didn't how, win one as a teenager. Who or maybe Mobile, maybe Mobile How old was Magic when he won his first? Wasn't he like twenty or twenty-one? Twenty. Magic was. was 20. Either, I think he was. He was nineteen, was 20. turning yeah, 20. twenty. Yeah. So yeah, because um, he he won. LeBron James. He he didn't get to the finals until he was in his twenties. You you, mm-hmm, you get the point mm-hmm. I'm trying to make. We draft these kids. We say they're going to be the next thing since sliced bread. It's still the same development curve. Who is the youngest best player on an NBA team? That's probably Magic. Because remember, he left college as uh-huh. a national title winner. Won an NBA championship. Went into the NBA as, as a rookie. Uh-huh. And beyond that, and beyond that, with all the years of basketball history that we have, there's, there's nobody else breaking that mold. Uh-huh. So you draft these kids as teenagers. But your investment doesn't come back until, what, the earliest, early 20s? Yeah. For the most part. Because Kobe Bryant became a champion in his early 20s. What, 21, 22, 23, somewhere in that range, where him and Shaq finally figure it out, and they went with Mm -hmm. Phil Jackson? Yeah, because Tim Mm -hmm. Tim Duncan's the last uh, college senior to get drafted number one. And mind you, Tim Duncan was 22 and... And he hopped into the league as a rookie of the year, and they had that big turnaround because they had uh-huh. David Robinson. He, yeah, because he, he won the second. He, I don't he, think Tim they won. won in the second year. Right, and he was, nah, he was what, 24 by that time. He's 22. His birthday is late. 22 late. in his yeah. second year in the league. He's late, he's late in the. Um, oh, okay. I think he's late in the calendar. calendar year. I don't know exactly his exact age, but they won this. According to Basketball Reference, he was uh, 22 when he won this. So what you got a list right now of some of the youngest NBA champions? No, I just so happened to think of people that I thought oh, of okay, like, cool. immediately, you know, when it came to when we started talking, like, yo, who who was nice enough that they was, you know, able to be like a, a rookie slash I mean, we could we could get we could get cheap and, and just go through them one by one. And I'm pretty sure we won't remember many prominent rookies. Like who who was a rookie on the Mavs team that beat the Heat? I don't think they had one. Oh, Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Uh, who who was a rookie on any of the Heat teams that 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 went back to back? I don't think they had Norris, Norris Cole. Cole. And Norris Cole was yeah. like a four year senior. What about so you, so that automatically Chalmers? puts him in no. his twenties? Chalmers was a remember Chalmers hit the yeah. shot of shots as a junior in Kansas against um. Uh, oh, there Rose. Oh man. Facts. There you go. Memphis. That's why it's hard to remember was, because Memphis was a flash yeah. in the pan Calipari school. He went there, made them hot for like seven years and was like, 
I like blue and white, so I'm choosing mm-hmm. Kentucky again. <laughs> but those, um, but again, like you, you've and NBA dominance, they don't go hand in hand as as much as popularity does. So Zion's the hot ticket, but we're not talking about Zion winning an NBA championship. And all this comes full circle to what we're talking about with these kids. These kids are getting plucked at a really early age for something that. They honestly, and, and I hope that, you know, a kid who's good at basketball might be listening to us. You're being given an opportunity to literally have anywhere from a five to eight year window to manifest on what's being mm-hmm. expected of you. To fully manifest it in, 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 in real time perspective. Doesn't seem that way, but if you play your cards correctly and work hard at what you do, you you have an opportunity to take advantage of something get, being given to you at a really young age and not really have to bear fruit on it until you're coming into your own as a man. Mm-hmm. And and if you see it that way, then then it can be a blessing for some of these kids. To others, it's going to be a burden. It's going to be a curse. Because, you know, such and such from XYZ hood got the whole hood on his back. Mm. And now he's got an opportunity to be the next bronze Zion, whatever, you know, Lenny mm. Cook, who, name a kid. He's, that's mm-hmm. him. And there's so many, and there's so many um, potholes and misdirections that these kids can face. I just hope that with all that this program brings to light for these kids, it somehow gives them an opportunity to get that scared straight element that we all as youth need to stay on the path or to point out to those who need to know that this mm. ain't for us because there's going to be, there's going to be kids who are going to go the path of somebody like, and I hate to use him as an example, even because this has nothing to do with where he is or where he was when he was young. Cause I don't know his youth, but a guy like Deion Waiters, who, you know, he fell out of favor with, you know, majority of the league. And he was about to redeem himself, hopefully, as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. But making some youthful mistakes, not having the right perspective on his responsibilities as a, as a pro athlete and doing things that indicate that he wasn't fully mature, they all came back to bite him. With what happened to him in this season, those type of things can happen to these kids getting pulled into these type of programs. So... I don't know. I just want to make sure we cover the whole 360 and, and not just point to, hey, you know, you, you, you guys just follow the golden, you know, the yellow brick road and you have an opportunity in NBA stardom. Nah, no, no, that. no, no, that's the whole point. That was the whole point of us even mentioning it. Yeah, yeah, you definitely, um, the, 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 like I said, because your whole career could, it could go on the flip side. I mean, look at, look at a player like um, Chauncey Billups, who was a top draft pick, but it took him years to finally get to the player that we, what did he go number three to the Celtics? No, he went four, I believe. Three to the Celtics. Either way, dude. Four to the Celtics. Top five. Okay, he got drafted higher than Steph Curry did. Let's just put it like that. Now, mind you, obviously different years, different times. Point is, a number is a number. He, he Chauncey Billups wasn't getting out the top five that year, and I'm pretty sure we pull a draft. He, I think he's part of a funny draft class where they may not. Oh, he was, he was the third pick. He was the third pick. My bad. Yeah, third pick. I think. But who else was in that draft? Uh, I'm about to look it up. I think it was Tim Duncan in that draft. Hold on. Um, Mm, 
He came after Tim Duncan. Please. No, same, same year. Same year. It was it was Tim Duncan number Damn. one, Keith Van Horn number two, uh, Chauncey number three, Antonio Daniels number four. Tony, Tony, yeah, Tony. yeah, I remember that draft. He went to like Utah. Who's that? Too. Uh, he went Antonio to Bowling Green. He went to like Utah. Bowling yeah. Green. Uh, Tony Bertie. Keep going. Uh, Texas Tech. Uh, Tony Ron Texas Mercer. Tech. Oh, yeah. Von yeah. Mercer, University of Kentucky, Mr. I will not shoot from anywhere yep. but 15 um, to 18 feet. Captain Carl, I used to call him. I was like, Are you fake Rick Ham- Ripper Hamilton? Because you he was way more athletic, but all he wanted to do was take mid range jump shots. It was like Kentucky had built <laughs> clones. Derek him Anderson. And, uh, what was the other kid? Uh, Derek. Yep. Yeah, who got getting hurt. De- Derek was nasty. Uh, Tim right, Thomas. Who else? Tim Jersey. He was uh, my seven. Uh, Adon Adonal Foil. Keep, keep going. Oh wow, Adonal Foil. He was super oh T Mac with number nine. Um, yeah. See, I knew there was a gem in the Danny Fortson rounded out the top ten. I'm trying to see if this I any other notable look. Because in that top ten right now, the top three prospects. Chauncey really deserved to be the number three pick, if not number two. Oh, well, his career, yeah. If you play, out if you career, play out his career, definitely. But when this started, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's all about how you. It doesn't it. matter. I mean, um, look. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, yeah. Long term, you get to put up, you get Austin to put up like Crows, 16, 18 K with twelve. Um, uh, <sighs> Bre- Brevin Knight boy with three sixteen. Years. Your man Shout shot out to my Pollard boy, was 19. Uh, Pollard! Yes! Bob, the pride of the queen. Bobby I mean, Jackson Sam, was, uh, went 23. Bobby Jackson, okay. So well, Bobby Jackson moves into the lottery. He 23. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, oh. Does he move into the... Okay, but now reprojected. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a lottery pick. No, 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 no. I'm not doubting that. He's a lottery pick. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah. yep. See, we talked about your man before. Jacques Vaughn. <laughs> Jacques he was number 27. Yo. Yo, son, by the time he graduated from yeah. um um Kansas, yo, he was so done. He <laughs> was so done. I was like, yo, amen. He got into the league. Like he's okay, he's a perfect book in representation of what we talk about about going to college and, and, and it wind up hurting and helping you. His career is literally a reflection of that. He was like the number one high school point guard in his class mm-hmm. when Kansas got him. Number one, hands down. No, gotta yeah, have jump. Yeah. And then they saw him, saw him shoot a jump shot, and everybody Oof. saw he shot knuckleballs for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who else was in that draft? That's the, it. Actually, that seven all the other notable Stephen Jackson. He was si- Stephen Jackson. Uh, he's a lottery pick else? now. Keep going. You had you had uh oh, Sham Gar was in that draft. Um 45 to the Wizards. Gar Sham shout out to Sham. No, 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 no. He still don't move into the lottery. That's, that's he probably the first round. That's though. the exactly, yeah. exactly. That's the homie, fans. Yeah, homie. so it's uh, a guard. Oh, Alvin Williams that went to Villanova, the point guard. Oh, okay. Uh, shout out Villanova. Alvin Williams. Uh, and, he had a couple good years with yeah, Vince, Anthony Vince Johnson. Okay. Remember the old? He looked mad old when he played. He's always like a backup play. He played with um, yeah, he, he played with Orlando. 
<laughs> Yo, that man got the. He, I'm sorry, and it's not even like a dig at him, but like his name combination, like I promise you, there has to be at least 50 dudes named Anthony right. Johnson who might have played in the right. NBA history. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony, that's like that's like being named James Word. Smith or oh man, goodness gracious. So redrafting that draft, you got Tim Duncan oh, yeah. still number one. Probably got no T-Mac at two. two. I don't even know. T-Mac, T-Mac at two. I'm sorry. Chauncey yeah, still number overall three. Overall career. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, overall career. You know, when we redraft, is, is based on careers. You probably got Bobby Jackson mm-hmm. somewhere near the bottom yeah, of that lottery. Because Steven Jackson will move up definitely from 45, no, 40, from 42 to probably like <laughs> he, 10 to easily. Yeah, easily. Top probably. 10? Easily. Yeah, he does. Don't he got a ring with San Antonio? Easily. Remember, he was on that We Believe team with um. Yeah, Yeah. greatness. He was listen. He was he he was the man who saved the wrong Mm -hmm. guy in the malice at the palace. Ron Artest was going to kill the wrong man. If Stephen Jackson don't come up there and misdirect the crowd from what Ron Artest was doing, that one guy who was the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Point is, like, there's so many different reasons why you know Stephen Stephen Jackson's just gonna forever be one of. Oh my no, no, players. for sure, for sure. A friend of mine was talking about him. This is a funny side story. A friend of mine who I was talking to, my man Frankie, he uh, he was like, "Yeah, man, I play rec ball with that guy Stephen Jackson, man." He was like, "Oh man, he's all types of hot headed, bro." It's like you just can't you just can't calm him down. He gets going. Rrr, rrr. I was like, yeah, he, he was like that in the NBA. I mean, if a guy was willing to go in the stands and knock people out and lose millions of dollars, I would think he'd take rec ball and any type of... Listen, you playing basketball with him, you're getting worked up. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the serious version of him. Like, I mean, I see him. Yeah, Didn't yeah, he yeah. do the big three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. he was a bully. Like, what are you doing? You're, you're bullying fellow old in. men. Put, Stephen put, A. Putting <laughs> that work in, huh? Yes, that... He he was a power forward with guard skills and a small forward's body. Like psh, I remember him as a rookie posting mm-hmm. people up. Six eight had that weird yep. wind up three. Oh yeah, 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 easily, yeah, because he four. Who who else moves up in that lottery? I'm saying like, yeah, because you gotta look man. at it. Like you said, um, yeah, but I'm Bobby Jackson. We said moves up to like, but he's still uh, yeah. at the bottom of the lottery. I mean, but yeah, damn. but you had. Uh... You had Kelvin Cato, number fifth, number fifteen. <laughs> Left hand Kelvin Iowa Cato. State. He went to some school out west, like uh, Iowa uh, State. Exactly. Yeah, I remember him. He, who else you had? You had um, Maurice Taylor that went to Michigan. Maurice was my guy. I was. You know what? Maurice is one. Of, I, I feel sorry for those kids, but he was one of the transition from mm-hmm. the fat five era kids that they got a hold of and they bigged them up as another big class and obviously he wasn't going to match what the fab five did but Maurice Taylor and then there were three other kids and I forgot them but they wasn't were good that, they just you know wait, Maurice weren't Taylor, transcendent Maurice Taylor, didn't he play with um, Tractor Trailer or no that... yeah I think he had a year with Tractor because Tractor mm-hmm. left as a junior Tractor knew his momentum wasn't gonna last long, so he went and got that check quick. Cause you know, there's a there's a version of Tractor Trailer in the league every year up until um Homeboy with the two ACLs. Oh yeah, Dewan yes, Blair. Yes. Remember him? 
there's one of those guys like every year, like like Pashao, and I hate to put him in that category, but but Eric Pashao is similar. Like these rugged, high energy, you can't do nothing with them. They too hype. You know what I mean? Like, damn, why are you playing on a thousand percent in a in a, in a regular season blowout ass mm-hmm. players? Him. Tractor had that, but then he got to the league and he was like, yo, everybody's faster and taller than me. Like, <laughs> I ain't just mm-hmm. going out energy everybody here. Yeah. Nah, bro. Uh, who else? Uh, who else was like that? My man who, he, and I hate to do this, but um, he went to Georgetown. Sweetney. Mm. <sighs> who put the gas in the Sweetney tank, bro? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, Georgetown yeah. had a few of those kids, you know what I'm saying? Like they cycle through them. Like, yo, we got another big six eight plus tall guy who likes to foul people and block shots. He's not Alonzo. He's not the Kimbe. He's not Ewing, but he played for Georgetown. They had like three of them in a row, and like Sweetney was the last in that line before they just like tapered off and had to start going getting wings and perimeter players. Yeah, Georgetown no, no. Oof, yeah, you ain't lying about that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, again, this is. This is something that, you know, the whole the the you know the thing about the basketball goes through goes through changes. You know, um, it was I think with now mm-hmm. with the new school era, the fact that you get a lot of kids like Luca Luca that have played professionally overseas at such a younger age, a lot of these scouts and stuff, and a lot of kids are realizing. Wait a minute, maybe maybe I don't need to go to college. Maybe the old way of mine is not necessarily mm-hmm. doing that because if I can get if I got a million followers on Instagram or so any type of social media prior to me getting to college, I've already got a fan base. So they're gonna kind of go where I go. So this is I think this is relatively smart to to, to piggyback off the um, you know, double back on a G League move. Yeah, like I said, I, 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 I'm, I'm listening. The thing that made David Stern so, so powerful, so highly regarded, so revered, is the fact that he was always able to mm-hmm. see ahead of the curve, and he saw ahead of the curve when he, you know, he brought Adam Silver into the fold, and now Adam Silver and everybody involved in the NBA and the the, the new NBA that Absolutely. we're in, because this is the new NBA. That they're they're progressive. They're not going to be passive. They're going to take advantage. And then again, it's also from a business standpoint, it's it's wise. They have more market research on the behavior of teen millionaires than probably any other oh, organization yeah, yeah. in the world. Either them or or European mm-hmm. soccer or soccer as a whole. Because remember, these kids, these soccer kids, or, or tennis, some of them, honestly, no. Basketball, soccer. Those two kids, they get drafted at, at these crazy young ages and get thrown millions. Soccer kids, sometimes even younger than, than, than basketball players. Because, you know, you got these kids who are 15, 16 years old getting, you know, 20 million mm-hmm. euro contracts to, you know, go play in Spain. Point is, between those two organizations, that's where you're going to get the most data on how to properly groom these young men who have been given entitlements into actually learning how to earn and recoup it. 
So if there's a platform or organization that you can trust, knows what they're doing, I think it's safe to say the NBA does. The NBA knows what they're doing. They just, like I said, it's a political... It's a political yet economical way of cutting out the middleman, which is mm-hmm. college basketball. Because college basketball has had so many opportunities to proactively empower the kids that they have been pimping for, for, for the inception of the sport mm-hmm. and its marketing. Pimping them. And they've lost on so many fronts where they could have made easy concessions and made things right. When they lost the naming thing, what did they do? They backed out of college sports. Said, you know what? We're not going to make any more video games because Ed O'Bannon mm-hmm. was right. Or Ed O'Bannon won. We're just going to take away that revenue stream. We still got the other, you know, X amount of billion that we'll make off of merchandising and selling kids' jersey numbers and so on and so forth. We just can't use their likenesses in video games. Okay, so we lose that crowd. What's the video game crowd in comparison to our overall mm-hmm. pie? Well, now the NBA has said, you know what? Y'all can't even eat at the big table. Y'all got to go eat at the little kid mm. table during Thanksgiving. Tell us how yeah. y'all like it over there. And if y'all don't like it, and if y'all don't like it, God forbid, we doing good over here. We only make it worse for you. Because again, the beauty of March Madness is the fact that it's not just about the kids that are playing. It's how many people are involved and invested in what's going on in that tournament. You got people from all over the country, universities, fans, so on and so forth. The luster of the NCAA tournament, it's not going anywhere. You're still going to get buzzer beaters. You're still going to get amazing plays. You're still going to have upsets. You're still going to have highly ranked teams showing dominance. None of that is going to change. What's going to change is who's populating those rosters, how good those kids are when you first see them. Mm -hmm. Because those one-and-done kids, it's not going to make any sense based off of what we discussed to go to a university, unless, again, you're a legacy kid. So we're, we're going to see the class structure of basketball and, you know, the United States and the world itself play itself out and where these kids start deciding where they want to go. Like you said, a kid who has obligations and feel like he needs to step up for his family's sake, he's probably going to take the first available option that allows him to empower himself and his mm-hmm. family financially. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And again, as an athlete... Once people are making money off of you, and I hate to have this be the bookend, so I, but here's the reality. Once people are making money off of what you do on the athletic field, you're a professional. You're just either paid or mm-hmm. unpaid. If I'm watching you on TV, it means that somebody's making money off of you. You're a professional. And it goes all the way down to even high school sports here in New York. Because I could turn on my Verizon local sports and I could watch all of the high school games. But guess what happens in between the timeouts and the high school games? Mm -hmm. Commercials play. So again, as long as the sport is going to attract people who want to watch it, there's revenue to be made and people to profit from it. And what the G League has done has made a way to allow these kids to start seeing their own path to the money without having a commitment that they don't necessarily want to make in the form of education. No, of course, of course, because it, um, like I said, it's, it's just crazy. Um, it's just crazy. Oh, okay. Let me, let me read one thing, um, real quick. 
it said that um, these contracts are one-year contracts. Um, but it says mm-hmm. one of it says this is on New York Post. It says one of the um, one of let me see wait no it says the one the guaranteed one year contract include an academic scholarship to Arizona State that is good un- until five years after a player is done with his career. So, but just but what it's I'm like saying is. It's like a GI Bill for your education. You, like, honestly, I, I really, again, now it really boils down to as an athlete, as 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 a, as a as a kid. Does it matter to you that you get to slap your hands on the floor at Cameron Indoor? Does it matter to you that you get the Gator Chomp in in, in Gainesville? Does it matter to you? That you get to go rock, chalk, jay, does that matter? No, to I, not to me. But let me say this: just to just to just to play a counter argument, right? Depending on how this team goes, if you're one of the, let's say, for instance, obviously this kid Jalen Green, he's 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 good, right? He's potential. I mean, they already had him as a top top three lottery pick for 2021. You know what I mean? Like for the whatever, you know, whatever he declared, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was already so, projected. But I'm just thinking, just like the kid who went to Georgia yes, and yes. you know had to play. Well, basketball I'm just, just thinking of ahead. the flip Go side ahead. to that. The the kid that gets signed on to this that is no longer being able to go to college for maybe a, multiple years, right? Say so this is the first year his playing time gets down or he gets injured. Now he's no no now he can't he can't perform. So when it comes time for the following year, what does he do? You know what I mean? And I don't know because yeah, he can't play, play college, college basketball. basketball. At least if you get injured. But remember, we're, we're no in stage one of this game. It's 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 what is it? Mm-hmm. Point counterpoint. However you want to you know make that phrase fly. The the NBA has put the NCAA oh, on the yeah. clock. And the NCAA has to come back with something. And I'm pretty sure that the NCAA is probably scrambling their resources right now to try and figure out if there's a means by which they can stem the tide of what they're already seeing happening. I don't know what that would be. I think what it's going to boil down to is that the concept of a scholarship is about Mm -hmm. to change as we know it forever. As far as... Here's the reality. If I want to be a carpenter in New York, or anywhere for that matter, I go and do what's called an apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. Under that apprenticeship, I work for somebody, they train me on the job, all on the job training until I accumulate enough experience and proof in the quality of my work that I become my own licensed Mm -hmm. professional. That's what a scholarship is. That's that's exactly what a scholarship is. The problem was the NCAA doesn't exactly. have to give that kid any money. They dangled him a free education so now, over his head. And, and books. And the experience. And meals. And, and again, I don't think that experience is one that a lot of kids are going to want to forsake. 
Zion didn't want to leave Duke. Zion, you know, he he said prior to entering the draft that, like, honestly, he contemplated returning to Duke for another year because he had so much fun with Cam Reddish and um, R.J. Barrett. 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't far-fetched to see kids come back. The Florida Gator kids, they all came back after three of them were rated to be high lottery picks. And they went back and repeated. That era is over now. What, what does college do to compete? That was the question that I was leading you towards. What, what do you think college can do to compete? Um, it's, I, you know what? Are they going to be cutting the check or not? Do you think that college no, will... I don't, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I think this is people that are stubborn and greedy that look at it from the standpoint of let's uh, no, we have high-level coaches that at high-level programs. But we've got to warrant all this revenue that we've already preemptively paid for. Bill Self's contract isn't going anywhere. He's worth millions of dollars. Yeah. On and on. echelon of coaching, you're talking about multi-million dollar people that you have to pay for. Do these universities have enough money in their uh, cachet to, to pay out what they're going to lose? I don't think so. I don't. I, let me say this. I don't know. I don't see them paying only because I, th- I feel like they'll be too slow to adapt, you know, and this the G League's process, this has to like in the next five to 10 years spike up so fast and so effectively for them to actually consider it. But I don't see them in two years saying, uh, all right, let's start making changes. Well, okay, here's the NCAA is on the clock twice. The one and done rule is about to expire. Yeah. Now the G League has a stopgap program in place mm-hmm. for this one year, mm-hmm. which is what they've done with this program. After this one year, which is why everybody's getting a one year deal. Yeah. The, NCAA, the NCAA is literally on teleconferences right now somewhere trying to figure out. They have to be. If they're not, then this is going to really blow up bad in their face. Because here's what I predict. Mm -hmm. NCAA basketball regular season viewership is going to decline by at least regular season, 25% next season. If we're able to get back to what we, you know, are used to 25% of what they used to bring in as far as viewers is they're gone, Mm. gone. Because quality of product matters that much, especially in the regular season of any sports league. This is why baseball suffers during the regular season, because games don't matter. There's so many of them. Now in college, you're going to have the loyalist fan base. They're not going to go anywhere. The alma mater kids, the people who don't know any better, the, that base is built in. That's your core. Popularity drives the other half of what you get in views. Your popularity just take a major hit when I know that the kid that is going to be the person I want to be aware of before he's that hot guy, he's going to be playing in this G League thing. So mm-hmm. wherever I got to go to find that, and the NBA is smart, they're going to make it easily available for me. Yeah. Whether this kid goes out there and is a bust or not, they're going to make it so hard for me to miss that I won't be able to miss it. And guess what? You can only play basketball at one time during the day and get people to watch it. What time is that, brother? At night. So now, head-to-head, you're going to watch the top three kids, arguably, in the world play against 
other grown ass men, or you're gonna watch a bunch of little kids play just because they chant your favorite song in the back. No. Yeah, because it's your alma mater. You're going that hit is happening. That hit is happening. 25% regular season fans out the window. NCAA tournament, probably again, because of it being a national pastime, it's not gonna take the same type of hit because there's so many games, there's so many moving parts involved. Mm-hmm. And that type of basketball happens at all times of the day at the beginning. Like, I remember the first days of the tournament. I remember waking up? You wake up late on an NCAA tournament day, like a Tuesday when it starts, and there's already three games in action. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so that's different. They're still going to get the traffic that they used to get once that tournament picks up, but everything prior to it is going to take a hit. Conference tournaments are going to take a hit. Maybe not 25%. Maybe those take a 10 to 12 or something like that, but... The NCAA is about to have a hard year of data to realize what the impact of that program does, along with the dissemination of the one and done rule. And they're going to have to put something together. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to. Kids are about to start getting paid by colleges. I don't know how they're going to reroute it. I don't know what they're going to call it. But the NCAA honestly only has two choices. Pay or not pay. You say they don't pay. I, I don't I don't argue that, that that's possible. It definitely is. But I think in a world that we live in and the economy that we exist in and the type of money that they have on the line, they have no choice. They've been sitting on billions of dollars worth of profit. Mm-hmm. Either that money has got to rear its ugly head and point to where it's actually been going or you have some of it saved up because otherwise you go bankrupt. Because again, like we alluded to at the very beginning of the podcast, a lot of these universities' life bud is their sports. Mm-hmm. You take that away, and now you've got nothing but critically acclaimed professors. Well, hello, they're critically acclaimed professors all over the world. Some of them don't even ask you to be in the same building as them, and they'll teach for money. Mm. So what? Now it's about hot girls and college parties? Come on. Come on. Listen. Sometimes, sometimes I think uh, I think sometimes that's what sometimes the uh, transition of that old guard, you know, that kind of saying is, you know, you just was the saying you can't have a uh, teacher old dog new tricks. Is the NCAA is is making that money for so long and doing it a certain way that for them to make that transition, they're going to be slow about it. And I, but they can't be though. They can't. Here's the reality. See, Grant, this is what I'm trying to get to. You take a school like where we started, Michigan State University. Mm -hmm. Me and you, we're not residents of the state of Michigan. We don't get the in-home discount just from graduating from a school in Michigan. Our out-of-state tuition annually for the year is probably six figures. What's a big part of the luster of that school? It's sports program. That's why it costs so much to go here, because not only are you going to a premier educational institution, but you're going to a premier social institution of education in the country and the world. Mm. Well, now that facade is gone. That facade is gone. Oh, I'm going here just because I'm a Big Ten football fan? Come on. Come on. You got to lower the books. And the only way you keep your prices where you keep them is if you give people a product worth making more people want to come back to. I know that y'all can't give me the most entertaining product as a student of your school. Why am I going there? Okay, let me say this. This is what this is what just to be out a little different from what you're saying, right? Remember when the NBA had a lot of 
I think it was the early 2000s where a lot of kids were going one and done. I mean, going straight from high school. You had like the Kwame Browns, Tyson mm-hmm. Chandler, a lot of them. But the, a lot of these straight from high school kids weren't flamed, flamed out. out. And the NCAA kept its pace. It kept staying mm-hmm. where it's at. So I think mm-hmm. they're going to initially bank on these kids doing the same exact thing. They say, well, we've been here before. Let's just buckle down. Let's just continue to build our programs. We already got these TV deals signed for the next three to five years. Let's continue to do that. So when these, these kids start flaming out, we could do that. I think the only problem this time is in that time where they're banking on that, if the G League can start raising its quality up in viewership so that way people say, okay, well, maybe I can't go straight to the league, but I could go to the G League and work on my game. But here, and this is going to wind up just being like an extra, extra nutritious podcast. I hope you don't mind if we run a little overtime, but this definitely needs to just be spoken on so that we don't have to come back to it. The, the reality is different, though, brother. The reality is so different. Okay, the rookie of the year last year, who, who was it? Luca, right? Yeah. Luca, he ain't playing college basketball. Nope. Where was he available to play prior to him becoming an NBA player? Overseas. Top Euro League, right? Yeah. What did, what, and what did that G League offer do? Give you the opportunity to play against some of the top people what? Around. Overseas. Mm-hmm. Overseas. So now, something that wasn't available to a kid two years ago, I can go play against the next Luka Doncic in the G League program. Mm-hmm. I can do that. I can't do that in the, NBA, in, in the NCAA. Unless both of us decide to go to a school and we both wind up on each other's schedule. Exactly. The NBA is going to tactically, tactically make us play. Of course. Because the NBA is still a gladiator sport. And it's still a global sport. So you want to see the best of the best go against each other. Mm -hmm. You want to see that. So, all right, let's go through the draft and that era of one and dones and, and all of the guys who got picked, and, and you, you're going to see that. Like, John Wall, he was worth his return investment. Mm-hmm. He was prospected to didn't need to go to college. Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. he was prospected to didn't need to go to college. Anthony Davis, prospected to not, not need to go to college. Carl Anthony Towns, prospected to not need to go to college. Ben Simmons, prospected to not need to go to college. Markel Fultz, he had to go to college to get a name. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, remember, he was damn near a millionaire before he played for Arizona mm. with all of the dirty laundry that came out about him later on. And I'm not saying that as if it's true. I'm just saying that like it's more of a joke. Zion Williamson, he was projected not need to go to college. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, there's a cachet of dudes not named any of these people that got drafted along with them. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like, I've, like we've mentioned before, the Lenny Cooks, and on and on. There's a lot of them that this is going to happen to. That is the law of attrition. That is the, the rule of attrition. That is just the nature of what a competitive arena is going to do to athletes. It's going to whittle them out. Mm-hmm. And if the G League one-year sponsorship deal gives you a safe landing from flaming out, or at least a safe opportunity for a safe landing. It's no different than going to college. 
It might be better for you. You go to this program. You get hurt. You still have your entitlements, but you can't come back as a basketball player. You've spent a year making connections throughout the NBA industry that you wanted to be a part of as a kid anyway. Now you have an opportunity to find a path in a different direction. Mm. You could take that money, go to college, because you got paid to go to college, even though you didn't actually attend. Take that college money, go to a college, and now work for their basketball team. That's still better than what happened to Lenny Cook. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, again, if the NBA creates a parachute that's bulletproof or close to it, the NCAA is going to have to start writing checks. There's just no way around it. There's just no way around it. You, you, you're going to have to find a way to compensate these kids. And if they had been smart and been proactive about it and created a sliding scale that represented, uh, you know, all right, mm-hmm. if you're in this class of kids, then your scholarship is worth X amount of dollars prorated for this because we stand to gain. You're, you're, you're at least worth, let's just throw a number out there to make it even. You're at least worth $500,000. You coming to our campus is worth $500,000. dollars hundred and fifty grand of that, that's your scholarship. The other three hundred and fifty that we're going to make off of you or that we're projected to make off of you, we'll, we'll call that your landing spot. That's your 350K that we will, we will hold and escrow for you and you can distribute or use as a savings account as you need. Whatever the case may be, they're going to have to come up with something like it, bro. Hmm. No, yeah, no, no, no. I understand what you're saying. It's just a matter of if they do that, for one, it's going to be when they're going to do that and also realizing that Every college is going to do that because certain colleges. No, so not every college is going to be able to do it. And what it's going to do is again create another tier. Mm-hmm. It's going to create another tier where now you're going to have uh, what was it like? Mid, um, you know, mid, like Division One, mid, Division Two, oh, Division Three, major and stuff like that. Mid major and major and all that. It's going to do that all over again. It's going to pull everybody back into because remember, kids being this good skewed athletics. Mm-hmm. So now a kid who, you know, he goes to Gonzaga. And it's just that simple. He goes to Gonzaga. Yeah. And now. Because it was like the mid majors. And I think there's going to be like a mid mid. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's going to be different tiers. You know what I mean? They're going to still have it a certain way. But those, those power conferences. are going to be the ones who, because of their revenue stream, can afford to be a part of that fraternity. And it's going to make another class of haves and have-nots. Because I promise you, Kentucky will burn down college basketball before they will allow themselves to put out a product that their fans won't watch. You let there be more than two games of empty seats in Rupp Arena before some type of legislation is passed by the NCAA. Mm -hmm. Cameron Endor. And keep going through all of these 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 national fraternities of basketball. These these are these are like holy places to 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 some of these people in this world. They're gonna have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure it out. There's gonna always have to be a lure of going pro versus going to college, and college offering you something that makes college worthwhile. If there's nothing redeem, no redeeming value. And going to college as a basketball player, then college basketball dies. Mm-hmm. 
because nobody wants to watch a bunch of D3 kids play for Kentucky. And we went to a D3 school. And we don't mean any disrespect to that. That's just the nature. We want to see the best of the best when you claim to be the best. Yeah. And that's what the NCAA has been selling us since, you know, beginning of time. Pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up episode 67. As always, we appreciate each and every one of you contributing and listening and tuning in and giving us your feedback. If you would like to provide feedback or just want to give us a shout out, you could do so by leaving a voice note on any of the podcasts or platforms we are hosted. You can message us directly by hitting us at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Facebook and Instagram. And on that note, I'll say peace. Peace.